Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. So tonight, I'm just going to talk to you on the on the anointed uh, believer, something that the Lord just dropped into my uh, my heart today. Uh, I know I was supposed to be speaking on uh, a heart to do, so uh, this was something that was just dropped into my heart uh, today that I felt the need to share. So we'll we'll I don't think I'll be here next Wednesday. Me and Lorana Lorana are celebrating 28 years of marriage next week. So. Uh, yeah, and the church blessed us with the trip to Disneyland, so uh, we're going to Disneyland without the kids. Hallelujah! That might want to get a little Holy Ghost shout going on. No kids, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> might want to edit that. They'll think I'm a. Uh, 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 I'm, I don't love my kids. I love my kids, but you guys know what I'm saying. You need a break sometime. Need a break. Can you say, I need a break? I need a break. Marcus has just experienced that. You need a break sometimes, brother, don't you? Say, oh, yeah, need a break. How about you, Joe? You need a break too, don't you? That's right. I remember those days. Thank God I won't be going back there, Lord, Lord willing. All right, the anointing. So let me give you a couple verses on the anointing oil. I'm going to give you a bit of context, let you know where we're going, then we're going to jump into it. So Luke 4:18 The spirit of the Lord is upon me this is Jesus talking because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed the emphasis of this verse that I want you to consider as we jump into this is the very beginning of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and a major word right here is because. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Let me say that again, because it makes a lot of sense as we dive into this. The Spirit, this is Jesus saying, the Spirit is upon me. I am enabled, I am empowered, I do what I do because, and this is where the anointing comes in, because he, God, because he has anointed me. The Spirit of God never empowers, never enables, never directs without the anointing from the Father being on the vessel that God has chosen for such a time as this. Does that make sense? The Spirit and the anointing go hand in hand. Another verse is Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke, talking about a cow's yoke that keeps the cow restricted from various uh, activities and a certain amount of mobility, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So the context of this, 
There's a bit of insight into the anointing. So what God anoints, he therefore empowers. And that empowerment allows there to be the destruction or the breaking of a yoke. So what typically happens when the enemy is overcame or destroyed? Well, first of all, God anoints a vessel. Then the Spirit comes upon the vessel. And then the power is exercised through the vessel. And then the enemy is overcome because of the vessel being anointed, being empowered by the Spirit of God, and taking that power and authority and exercising it over the work of the enemy for the time, the moment, or the need that is at hand. Does that make sense? So we see there has to be the anointing in order for there to be the called and the planned and the purposed operation of the Spirit of God upon the believer. So there is a planned purpose that the Spirit of God has for us as believers. The Bible says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. The Bible says the Spirit of God uh, comforts us, leads us, teaches us. We, 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 we believe and we exercise, uh, at least a lot of us do, not everybody, the, uh, the speaking in tongues. We also believe and exercise at various times the interpretation of those tongues. But when it comes to the Spirit of God manifesting itself through us, he does so because God anoints us. Now, what does that mean? So let's jump into exactly what is it. Some of you know, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not teaching as if you're ignorant, but some of you don't. What is it? So the anointing is based off an oil. It's actually called the, anoint, the holy anointing oil. And it started uh, in the Old Testament, and it was a special oil that was formulated by, the direct, by, by, by God. Moses is the one that put it together, but God told him what it was to be. And we're going to break down these five things. So the anointing oil consists of five different things. God told him what these five things were to be, and then God told him the amounts of these five things, and then God told him what he is supposed to do with it. And so... Moses formulated this sacred oil, and then God told him, you're going to use this oil to concentrate certain people in certain things. And the people who receive this oil is going to be people that I have called for a specific task and a specific purpose. Or it is going to be a thing that I have called or that I have said is to be used for a specific task or a specific purpose. So when you dive into the Bible, you have kings that were anointed to be a king. You have priests that were anointed to be priests. You have prophets that were anointed to be prophets. These individuals was called by God, initiated by God, put into position by God, via a servant, like a prophet, and then they were anointed. And when they were anointed, it was as if they were set aside for the purpose in which they were called to. Now, when it came to things, it had to do with articles of worship inside the tabernacle, 
or the temple. The things that the priest used to worship God with, they were each anointed. And so when they were anointed, in essence, what was being said is that this article, this object, is set aside. It's different from all the other articles and all the other things. And it is set aside to be used for a specific purpose at a specific time in the context or in the setting of worship. So in a nutshell, the anointing oil in the Old Testament was a sacred, God-directed, formulated oil that was used for specific individuals and specific times so that they were set aside for God to use them. Well, how is this applied to our lives? Number one, so the anointing for us, number one, it is a power or an authority on our lives that God has called us to that is needed for the moment, for the season, or for the time when a circumstance arises. So let's say God, wants, God has anointed you with the gift of healing. So you operate with the gift of healing. The gift of healing is the gift of the Spirit. God anoints you. The Spirit is upon you. The power manifests through you, and people receive that gift because you are anointed and you are empowered by the Holy Ghost. It is what God has anointed you to do. Me, I'm anointed to preach the messages and the words that God has given me to preach. If you know me very well, I have a hard time even really expressing my thoughts, speaking really clear. When me and Lorana first got married, it was like our first big obstacle. I did not know how to share my emotions. Kind of get a ride on from some fellas. All right. It's very hard for me. I have a very hard time articulating thoughts, ideas. It's, I'm just not a talker. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. But let's face it, when I get up here, sometimes I just can't shut up. I don't know when to shut up. So you can definitely see a difference. And what's very interesting is that people that has encountered me outside of the church, outside of the setting in which I was anointed for, really is kind of like, I've heard it. Oh, we didn't expect you to be that way. We didn't expect you to act that way. Because what is happening, when they come in, 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 into the church, when they sit in the seats, they are encountering me being anointed by God for a certain task. But when I'm in Walmart, I'm not operating, right? In, 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 as a pastor or as a preacher or whatever you, you, you want to say. Are, are you recognizing the difference? This is what I'm anointed to do. And because I'm anointed to do it, the Spirit of God empowers me to do it. And what's very, very, and I hope you don't mind me using myself as an example. Uh, there has been times, for, 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 for instance, so years ago I was preaching this revival in, in, in Alabama. And I got out there to preach, and I couldn't preach. 
It's like I couldn't get my words out. I couldn't get my thoughts together. It's like I just, I, I just couldn't do it. And I was there for three or four nights, and, and my, my, my dad's mom showed up, and I was so embarrassed because it was the first time she, she was there hearing me minister, and I stunk. I couldn't even, I couldn't even speak or preach right. And I was like, what is, what, 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 what's going on? And I, I would go home, and I'd, not home, where I was staying, I'd tell her, I don't know what's going on. I, it's like, I can't talk, I can't pray, I can't minister. I, I'm fumbling over my words left and right. But what's very interesting is the Spirit of God had removed itself from that church. So I walked in, not, I, I walked into a place where I was left to my own ability. Now, why did he leave? Because the pastor was having an affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now, what I learned real fast is you better do a lot of praying, Jonathan, because you need the Holy Ghost to preach. Without him, you stink. It's, 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 it's not, there's no way in God's green earth I could be a motivational speaker. There's no way. Why? It's just not my skill set. It's, it's not my talent. It's not, not, not what I can do. But give me the Bible. Give me a little bit of time to put together a message. Put me in front of a crowd of people. And all of a sudden, what I can't do with my natural tongue, God begins to do with my spiritual tongue. Why? Because he anoints me. The Spirit empowers me, and I exercise that authority because he's called me to. You are no different than me, except for this may not be how you're called to exercise an authority or a power from God. But there is something you are called to. And because you are called to it, you are anointed to do it. And if you are anointed to do it, then the, the Spirit of God will empower you with the authority to exercise it to do whatever God has called you to do and for people to receive whatever they need to receive through you. Are you breathing tonight? All right. What time do we got? I got 30 minutes. All right, good. So... Let me say this real fast. There is a difference in being anointed when the need arises and having an anointed life. Sometimes God will just empower people to get something done because the need arises. But they're not anointed because of the life that they've concentrated, consecrated unto God. Because to be really honest with you, and this is where we're about to go, in order for the anointing of God to be on us on a day-to-day -day basis, there is a life that we must choose to live. Some people don't choose to live that life, but they might be willing to be used by God. And as the need arises, God just might use that person. But it doesn't mean that they live a life that allows them to walk on a day-to-day -day basis with a special anointing from God. Does that, is, is that making sense? 
So how do we become anointed with God? I'm glad you asked. Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 23. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is, 250. And 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make these a sacred anointing blended, or oil, excuse me, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. So you have five ingredients. Each one of these ingredients is really represents a lifestyle choice that we must live by in order for us to be an anointed believer. I don't want to get on a rabbit, short, a rabbit trail, excuse me, but there is such a need for people to walk with an anointing on their life out in the world. The church has done a and I, when I say the church, and I'm, I'm really just speaking of certain churches, certain denominational groups, not speaking of Westside or just the church in general, but certain church groups has done a bad job placing emphasis on a person like myself being anointed and the emphasis of it being within the four walls of a place like this. And there's a lot of people in the world that has not experienced a touch from God because I don't think there's not enough messages and not enough teachings or talks about how people, believers, need to be anointed just as much as the preacher needs to be anointed. Because just like I need to be anointed to preach to you when you come here on Sundays and Wednesdays. You need to be anointed to preach to whomever God is going to put in your path to preach to in the middle of your week. Amen? The responsibility is not just on the church preacher. Because there's people you can reach that I can never reach. And there's connections that you have that I will never have. And there's demons that you'll confront that I'll never confront. And in order for you to be impactful and effective and allow God to work through you, and in order for yokes to be destroyed, yokes in your family, yokes on the job, yokes in the street, what did I just read? The anointing destroys the yokes. Amen? So it is important, especially in the times we are in. It's crazy out there. I mean, it, it really is crazy out there. My dad's associate pastor uh, Monday got stabbed mul multiple times by a Walmart employee because they thought he was stealing something. Got sent to ICU because of the, the stab wounds was close to the heart. He had just bought a tent to give a homeless person. That's just one story of multiple things I've been hearing lately. Craziness is going on.
we need, we don't need to be like the crazies, right? We need to be believers, believers and followers of Jesus Christ, where we live a life that allows us to be anointed and therefore empowered by the Holy Ghost to do whatever God has called us to do for the world at hand. Amen? So let's jump into this. Liquid myrrh. I'm going I'm to try to blaze because I have a, I have a, a bit, and I'm going to try not, not to jump on uh, extras. Liquid myrrh. You have to realize it said liquid myrrh. just did not say myrrh. So when there is a description uh, with the noun, there is an absolute reason God is saying that. So this is a descriptive noun. Liquid myrrh. So number one, myrrh represents love. Why does it represent love? Because myrrh is very bitter. Uh, it is uh, bittersweet or bitter pleasant. So myrrh is a perfume, and if you smell it, it smells very sweet, very aromatic, very pleasant to smell. Have you ever put cologne on and you had the nozzle turned the wrong way? And instead of it going on the neck, it went right into the big old pie hole. <laughs> and I don't know why we open our mouth but like that. I don't, know why that, I, don't, I don't know why the heck that happens, but it happens sometimes, right? You, you would think we go, but no, we're like. And, and, and if you got that thing tilted, it's like. It's horrible. Or go, go kiss your wife's neck right after they put perfume on, and you give a smooch right on the neck. Instead of a mouthful of skin, you get a mouthful of perfume. You're like, oh. Hey, a lot of us are married. That's okay. Put a smile on your face. Myrrh, like love, bittersweet. It smells wonderful, but it is so bitter to taste. Love is bittersweet. Have you ever loved someone that didn't love you back? Have you ever had to love somebody that hated you? The Bible teaches us to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. It doesn't say love the neighbors you like. It doesn't say love the neighbors that don't pop, that don't, you know, have their music blaring at 2 o'clock in the morning, or in my case, 6 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why anybody would blare a speaker at 6 o'clock in the morning. I want to go out with a gun and shoot the speakers, Lord. That don't fly in California. In Texas, that's okay. But anyway, let's move on. I don't know why anybody does that, but I am commanded to love my neighbors. It's bittersweet. Right? In order, like this is step one, level one. In order for us to be positioned to be anointed by God, our hearts, our minds has to be full of love. And not just the likable people. And not just the people that treat you right. We have to have love in our heart. Jesus teaches that Everything in the Bible is built off of two principles, and that's loving God with everything in us, and that's loving your neighbor just like you would like to be loved. But it said liquid myrrh. What is liquid myrrh? What is, what, what, what is liquid? Liquid is a, is a very flexible substance, right? You can be pouring something, 
And, and if you tried to block it, what will happen? It would just go around it, go over it, go under it. It's very flexible. So the fact that the Bible says liquid myrrh, in essence, is saying we need to have a flexible love. Your love cannot be based off of one thing, which oftentimes in our own humanity and even sense of self-defense, we love when we are loved. It's hard to love when we're not loved. A lot of times that has to do with a sense of self-defense. Why would we love someone that doesn't love us? Because we are just opening ourselves up for heartbreak, for discomfort, for betrayal, for loss. Amen? But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says, love your enemy. Have you thought about that? Your enemy. Not the person you don't like. Your enemy. An enemy is a person that hates you. It's not the person that disagrees with you. It's not the person that just has a different political view than you. It's not the person that does or does not get vaccinated. That's not your enemy. Your enemy is the person that absolutely hates you, that would rather see you die than live, and might would rather pull the trigger or slide the blade. Your enemy. And the Bible says, love your enemy. I believe Jesus loved Pilate. I believe Jesus loved Judas. And they could be in the context of an enemy unto Jesus. Let's move. Does that make sense? Don't ever expect to walk or step into an anointed life where the Spirit of God works through you, but yet you lack love. And I'm not saying that you need to leave here and all the, or, or you're going to leave here or you need, need to make a choice after here and be like, oh, I love everybody. Don't work that way, does it? Thank God for His grace, His mercy, His patience, His long-suffering. What God expects for us is for us just to have some pliability. Okay, God. All right, I see what I need to do here. Just, just, just bear with me. Okay. And, and, am I making sense? We, we, we just got to give God a chance to work with our hearts. And He is so wonderful and so good. He, he, he'll work with us with patience, mercy, and grace. Amen? Just don't shut them off. Look at someone and say, don't shut them off. Number two, sweet-smelling cinnamon. When you throw a cinnamon ball in your mouth, what is the first thing you experience? Heat, right? Heat. It says sweet-smelling cinnamon. So heat is also related to fire. There's a few things that this represents. So number one, heat represents purity or pure, a purification process. Oftentimes, when a fire gets a hold of something, it purifies it. They don't do it a lot here. I know they do it some, uh, but you go back east, it's done quite a bit. A whole field will be burnt. The reason that whole field will be burnt is to kill, all, to destroy all kind of contaminants or weeds so that new grass can grow and you have more of a purified field. Oftentimes in our life, we need to go through, we need to allow God to take us through a process 
of our minds and our hearts being purified. Amen? Because, hey, let's face it. We can become a little jaded. We can develop some issues. We can have some habits and characteristics that are somewhat anti-God or or oppose the Bible. And we need to have a little come and talk to Jesus sometimes. We need God to bring us to the reality of our heart and our mind so that we can be purified. And sometimes that comes by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Have you ever been, or ha- whether it be in a service or just had a moment with God, and it's like you experience the fire of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, an experience with the Lord. And you came out of that experience with just a desire to set something straight. Just a desire to purify intentions, mind, heart, eyes, mouth, and so forth. Heat and fire also represents passion. I'll be the first to say this. If you don't want to be anointed, you're not going to be anointed. Just don't work that way. you got to have a passion for God. you got to have a passion for the, for, for the world. Not the world's ways, but a passion for the world to come to know Jesus. Paul, Paul taught in the New Testament to desire. Desire is linked to passion. Passion is linked to heat. Heat is linked to sentiment. Paul taught to desire the best gifts. you got to have a passion for God to use you. Another thing is destruction. We cannot tolerate, accept, and be okay with evil. We got to rid it and do our part. I'm not talking about us becoming the army of the God, uh, the army of the Lord that goes out and, 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 and fights the world. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My house, my temple. My house, my family. You may not can control what goes on in somebody else's heart or somebody else's household. But you can control what goes on in here and you can affect what goes on in your household. Amen? Now this is my opinion but I believe there's been a message of grace that has been taken out of context in the church world. That you can just do whatever you want to do. And no matter, because of God's grace, you can receive everything that God has for you. I don't, I, I don't agree with that because I see too much contradiction in the Word of God that goes against that. It simply says, if you practice the acts of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's very point blank, and that's just one verse. There's a lot more. So anyway, number three, does everybody understand sweet-smelling cinnamon? We got passion, we got purity, and we got the destruction of evil in our lives. Number three is aromatic cane. This is brokenness, but now understand this. So we're talking about sugar cane. How many of you have ever had a chance to actually uh, take some cane and break it apart and, and chew on it. 
Anybody? We had it growing uh, uh, in areas where I lived in Mississippi. We'd go uh, fishing down the river, and on the bed sometimes would be sugarcane. And my grandfather taught me, uh, and sometimes my mom would just buy it from the grocery store. And, and in order to get to the sweetness, what did you have to do? You had to break it, right? You had to crush it. You had to cut it open. And so sweet-smelling cane is, represents going through brokenness. Job went through brokenness. Adam and Eve went through brokenness. Noah went through brokenness. David went through brokenness. Elijah went through brokenness. Jonah went through brokenness. Jesus went through brokenness. Peter went through brokenness. Paul went through brokenness. There's something about going through brokenness, but yet remaining faithful that just does something to our spirit. I remember the first time I really experienced this was my very first church. I went through a lot my very first church. I got hammered, got beat up, got spit out. It's a very, very, very hard church. Uh, up to that point, pastors before me either backslid, quit ministry, or killed themselves. I'm not lying. I almost quit ministry. I, I, I didn't. But wh what I learned is what changes out of you. What was very interesting is out of that season, when I would go and minister and I would go and speak, is it was just different. The revelation was different. The power was different. The gifts that flowed through me when I, when I go visit places, it was different. And one of the things that I attribute, attributed that to is the fact that I went through brokenness, but I went through brokenness smelling good. I didn't quit, I didn't give up, I didn't gripe, I didn't complain, I didn't get mad at God. And there's a reason it says aromatic cane. You can go through brokenness, but it doesn't mean you're going to go through it well. Some people go through brokenness with bitterness. Some people go through brokenness with anger. Some people go through brokenness with hatred. Some go through brokenness with revenge. Some go through it with addiction afterwards or in it. And the list goes on. But this says aromatic cane. Anytime you, you come across aromatic, it's a pleasant smell. There's something about going through brokenness and still holding on to God, being committed to God, continuing worshiping God, being faithful to God, loving God, honoring God, declaring God, still preaching, still praying, still ministering, still giving, going through brokenness smelling good. There's just something about going through brokenness, but remaining faithful, it just does something to your power reserves in your spirit as a believer in God. Amen? As opposed to going through it with bitterness and hard hearts and all this 
stuff that has a tendency to be, to be baggage, has a tendency to weigh you down, has a tendency to cause you to become very uh, self-centered, self-oriented. It causes you to not focus on God, focus on his blessings, not focus on his word. But if we can exercise the fruits of the Spirit in the midst of brokenness, it's just a, it's really, it's one of the ingredients that allows us to live an anointed life. Number four, kasia. So when you dive into the root word in Hebrew of kasia, it, it, it really means to shrivel up. The representation or the metaphor for us is kasia means humility, self-denial, and worship. So it literally means to shrivel up. In other words, or an example it says, to contract or bend the body or the neck in difference. To bow down or to bow the head or to stoop. So Cassia in our life is us coming before God and us simply saying and meaning, not my will, but your will be done. It's humbling yourself before God. Your actions, your desires, your life, your future. All my whole life, I've heard people say, there is a price you pay for the anointing. And I wish I could say that I am further along than I am. There's people in my life that I look up to very highly, and they are extremely, they are deeply anointed. And one of the differences is humility, self-denial of oneself. The more we are able to die to our flesh, that can be in the context of sin, that could be in the context of how much we pray, of how much Bible or the word we get into, of how much we are willing to go for God. There is a price. And one of the great prices and very, very much hard prices is us denying ourselves. I have a hard time with modern church. A really hard time to the tune. I, I, don't, I don't even know what's going on in church culture. I don't know what's going on in Christian culture. I don't keep up with it. I don't read the magazines. I don't go to the websites. I don't know what the popular music is. I have to ask my kids what's the newest worship song. I have issues with modern church culture. And the reason I have issues is not because I think stuff don't look good, sound good, or anything like that. It's, I see so much self in it. 
Christian authors with their face plastered all over their books. Conferences with ten guys and their name and their face again on the posters or the printouts or the webpage. Nothing about God. It's all this promotion of self, 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 self. Look at how we look. Look at how we sound. Look at what we do. And it, for me, it disgusts me. I don't like it. I don't associate with it, and I don't follow it. But it really bothers me because I ask myself sometimes, why have we lost the power? Why have we lost influence as a church? Why are we not seeing more miracles in our nation? When you can go to Africa, you can go to Brazil, you can go over to China, and miracles and signs and wonders are helping left and right. But why not in the American church? Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons I personally believe, and this is my opinion, but one, to go right with the point tonight, is I don't see self-denial, but I see self-promotion. And in order to be anointed, you got to pay a price, and a part of that price is denying yourself before God. It's just the way it is. It's like gravity. You throw a rock up, and it's going to fall. There ain't nothing you're going to do to stop it. And it's the same way with this. There's no way to get around it. If we want to live an anointed life, then we got to be willing to deny ourselves. Does that mean that you cannot enjoy your life? To the contrary. But what comes first, God's will or your will? God, God has allowed me to fulfill a lot of my dreams in my life. But I can sit here and I can honestly, with all my heart, say to you that I put God first. And I believe God's allowed me to embrace a lot of things in my life because from the very beginning, I said, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm preaching because you called me to. I'm pastoring because you called me to. I'm leaving my family because you called me to. I'm saying no to this because you called to. I'm not perfect by any means, and please don't think I'm trying to say that. I have my issues, and I got, and I got flesh that I got to crucify on a daily basis. But I can honestly say to you as your pastor, and just as a living example— Denying yourself gives you access to God like nothing else when he requires it. When he requires it. If God didn't tell me to stop drinking coffee, you think I'm going to stop drinking coffee? That ain't working. That ain't going to happen. And there's a whole lot of other things that I could say. Hey, if God ain't asking me to stop that, do you think I'm going to stop that? No, sirree. Can I get an amen? amen? The fifth one, the last one. Oh, we're at 8 o'clock. Time flies. Olive oil, which means the Holy Spirit. It makes it all work. You can have all these things, but without the Holy Spirit, you're just going to have some type of form, fashion, structure. And you can even call it a good religion. Loving people is good. Having a passion for Jesus and purifying your life, it's good. Going through brokenness is good. Self-denial is good. 
And you see this being the formula for a lot of religions. But what really makes the difference is the olive oil. Because the olive oil makes it all work together in what actually turns it into a holy anointing oil. And that's the Holy Spirit. You got to have the Holy Spirit if you want all these things not to be a religious practice, but to be a relational effort between you and God. Got to be led by the Holy Spirit daily. If you don't exercise speaking in tongues, I will consider you to seek it. And if you do exercise speaking in tongues, I would encourage you to speak it every day. You got to know, listen, and obey the convictions of the Holy Ghost. That can be as far as sin, that can be as small as not buying a magazine. You know, one time the Holy Spirit told me, don't buy that surfing magazine. It's like $5 on vacation. And I was like, why? I want this new magazine. I want this magazine. I didn't. You know what? It was in my mailbox when I got home. <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. I would have wasted five bucks on that magazine. I didn't drink coffee back then, but that five bucks probably bought me a hot dog or a hamburger or something. <laughs> Ice cream cone or something. I was convicted about that. Don't buy it, Jonathan. Don't buy it. Holy Spirit's convicted me about taking my wife a cup of coffee. I walked into the room and said, here's a cup of coffee, hon. It's like, oh, thank you. I was just about to get up to get, some, to get me one. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then I've had the conviction of the Holy Spirit when I've been watching a movie. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, turn that off, Jonathan. Your eyes don't need to see it and your ears don't need to hear it. Right? Conviction. And then empowerment. Need to be empowered by the Holy Ghost to do what you can't do in your human ability. Amen? So the five things. Myrrh, which is love. Or liquid myrrh, which is flexible love. Sweet-smelling cinnamon, which is a, a passion that leads to pure, purity and denouncing or destruction of evil. Aromatic cane. Brokenness that is not ugly, but a brokenness that goes through the process with the fruit of the Spirit. Cassia, which is humility, self-denial, that equals worship in our reality. And then olive oil, which is the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, I will bet the farm on it, and I will bet my life on it. If you live according to these characteristics, you will find yourself living a lifestyle that is anointed by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and making change in the world for people who need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I hope that it, that it, it hit home. I hope that it was relevant, applicable. And Father, I pray that you just put a burning desire in our hearts, either to be anointed or either to be anointed more so that we can be empowered by your Spirit, so that we can live a life that exercises the love, the power of Jesus Christ to whomever you send us to or whomever you send our way. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. I magnify you. We honor you, Lord. We present ourselves as living sacrifices that is holy and acceptable. In the name of Jesus Christ, we love you, we love you, we love you.
Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.